A quick heads up. This mini-episode contains discussion about suicide, eating disorders, gun violence, and death. You're listening to For the Love of Climbing podcast. This is not a climbing podcast. Well, sorta. This is a funny, sad, and somewhat uncomfortable podcast about choosing vulnerability and talking openly about our pain. This podcast is presented by Patagonia. Here's the show. What I think that we need to be talking more about in our climbing community is... All bodies are good bodies, and all bodies can rock climb. I'm 5'9 and weigh close to 290 pounds, but that's not going to stop me. Brands advocating for bigger bodies within these spaces. I want to see more people that look like me, so let's fucking go. Online bullying, where is it getting us? Climate justice and intersectional environmentalism. Is homelessness in the climbing community something we should be thinking about more? Older people can still be seen as a burden, not just in climbing, but in society. I started climbing at the age of 32. Age 50. Oof, 45. 45! (laughs) What topics in climbing are worth talking about? LGBTQIA rights and LGBTQIA oppression. I mean, same-sex marriage only became federally legal in all 50 states six years ago, and I've been climbing for longer than that. Elitism in climbing makes the sport less welcoming to new climbers. Are you a real rock climber? How hard can you spray? Mm, Does it matter? Did I just unsend my project? Can we talk about van life and the immense privilege that comes with it? How much does a pro master cost anyway? Why don't we hear more about the mentorship gap? The power and importance of affinity spaces in climbing. Accessibility to better health care. Including mental health. Therapy is cool. And therapy is hard. Therapy is hard. Therapy saved my life. Religion stuff's hard. I want to hear what the recovery process looks like for other climbers. Sexual and domestic abuse awareness. Guys, listen up, then step up, because we really fucking need you. The erasure of native voices. What's wrong with land acknowledgements? Consumerism. What am I supporting every time I purchase a new puffy or a rope? What does this company stand for? What does restorative justice look like? Another big focus that we should have, I think, is on the existing problems and how we need to change them. Oh, that super racist troll on the internet, just ignore him. People like that will always be around. You know, that mentality fails to create the much needed space to address these issues in a productive way and start asking the right questions of where is this empathy gap? Where is a gap in understanding? If we want to truly be forward thinking and paving the way for the future, I think we need to address these problems at the root. Because when you see these hundreds of comments that are super homophobic or racist or transphobic on a rock and ice common thread or on any kind of a quote unquote progressive social media post, these trolls are still part of our climbing community. And it's a tough conversation, but that's what I'd like to see because change isn't going to happen by us sticking our heads in the sand and pretending like the haters don't exist or aren't worth our time. 
I think they are worth our time because they are upholding these systems of oppression in our community. And the more cis white men are able to talk about these issues to their fellow cis white men, I think that would be a great starting point in the conversation. Not sure what the solution is, but let's start at the root of the problem. Thanks, those are just my morning thoughts. Sending much love to you, girl, and keep kicking ass with the potty. Much love, Kathy. Peace out. Due to the topic I'm about to describe, it's important that I share that I'm a white, heterosexual, cisgender male. And it's also important that whenever I say men, I'm referring to anyone who identifies as male. So one topic I'd be really interested to hear more about is that of men's mental health. What I came to realize was that there was essentially no space for vulnerability because no one was really willing to admit that they were maybe in over their heads, they didn't have certain skills that were needed to complete the climb, and it was the most unsafe I had ever felt climbing. So in that instance, it really dawned on me that men not being able to show emotion or be vulnerable can be downright dangerous. And a big part of the reason why men experience three and a half to four times higher chance of suicide than other genders like women. When considering women's groups or even BIPOC groups, for example, building these communities and support groups to improve the climate experience of those individuals and the greater community. And oftentimes why they're creating these safe, welcoming spaces is based on the patriarchal, male-biased nature of this sport. But it seems that men are pretty much the only group not trying to improve ourselves and thereby improving the climbing community. And this can put a lot of the responsibility on the groups that are, I see as essentially victims of the culture to improve it. And I think there's, well, I know there's a lot of men that recognize individuals are underrepresented in the climbing community and those men want to help, but maybe some of us can't help others until we help and improve ourselves. Men need to acknowledge that we have responsibility, and by developing these skills, we'll not only be helping those individuals, but can help the greater climbing community at large make for a more welcoming and safer space in certain settings, at the gym or at the crag, for everyone. One of the things that I would be very interested in hearing is how people have created or used climbing and the social relationships that they've developed to create safe places that are really helpful and encouraging for people to make changes, to create growth, to express emotions and mental and well-being, and to uh, develop friendships that help them deal with all the other shit in life. And I think it would be amazing to hear someone's story who has successfully helped others negotiate that. Hi, Kathy. I am sitting in my closet with a headlamp, and I wonder how many disclaimers you get at the beginning of your submissions that say the same thing. But three things I would love to see more of. The first is parent stuff. Parent stuff's hard, especially with like how our relationships with our parents affect us in adulthood, and especially if you throw in divorce of parents or death of a parent or suicide of a parent. The second, I'd love to see more queer narratives, especially when it comes to finding another gay person that you want to climb with and also date. 
it feels impossible if you do find that person and they feel like they're the only safe person in your life. The dynamics that come up with like being then in a relationship with them kind of makes it extra hard when you're in a same-sex relationship because there's like no one else at the crag that looks like you. So of course you want to climb with them. The third, I just think there's a really interesting conversation about like how we're showing up for people who might be mentally struggling in the larger climbing community and like what happened with Sean Snyder bolting at Smith and like yes he did a lot of unsavory things and at the end of the day like he is a climber and I, I just think there's a lot to unpack there it's like how are we showing up for mentally struggling folks in the climbing community especially when they're pushing people away oh my gosh this is two minutes um I'll let you go Bye. For us lifers, climbing has been the organizing principle of our lives. Where we live, who our friends are, what we value and prioritize, even who we're married to. So I'd like to hear stories from others like myself who've been in this game long enough to face the inevitable decline of our abilities. And I'm not talking about the sudden catastrophic total loss of ableness like Quinn Brett. That's a whole order of magnitude different. I'm talking about being pecked to death by ducks the minute day-to-day decline you hardly notice until you're falling off your trade routes. And you look in the metaphorical rearview mirror and see where you've been, where you are now. I don't deal well with loss and grief, but to paraphrase the old saying, the only sure things in life are death, taxes, and loss. So maybe there's some inspirational stories out there about how some people have learned to be more at peace with it. And I don't mean stories about how someone found, quote, something other than climbing as suggested to me by well-meaning relatives who don't have an inkling of how compelling climbing is and how everything else pales beside it. Or how someone discovered meditation or religion or drugs or whatever. I mean stories by people who've looked that loss squarely in the face like any other dicey and possibly fatal lead and how they dealt with it. We asked you what topics you want to hear more of in 2022. Here's what we've got coming up this season. And to the person who said that this podcast is kind of sad, these stories tell like a punch to the gut because life can be full of sucker punches. And it doesn't mean that you stop breathing. In fact, the whole point is that you get up, learn something, pass on whatever slice of happiness or nugget of wisdom to others, and move forward because there's always hope on the other side. Yeah, I think I've just always believed that Alex could be this person and she is finally getting there. And it's really cool and beautiful to see. And I knew that it was only gonna be time when she was totally ready. So I don't think we ever even like talked about you coming out publicly at all. No, and it wasn't until like two years into our relationship that I like came out like professionally, I guess. And it was that moment in time where I was like, well, I'm tired of hiding, I'm tired of lying. I think I wanna figure myself out. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I remember being at an athlete summit, sitting around a campfire with one of the other athletes on that team. And he was the first person that I ever really came out to in the industry. And I don't know why, if we had like smoked weed or what, we just started talking about like, I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea like what direction I want to go. I'm feeling really lost and it has nothing to do with climbing. It's like who I am as a person. And I was like, I think I like girls. I don't know. I think I'm like going to really upset my life here in a minute. After I had my leg amputated, uh, you know, the short form is that I had a few prosthetic legs. Um, They were 
still better than my actual leg that I had that was causing me a lot of pain, but I still wasn't reaching the level that I wanted to reach. You know, and that's your quality of life at the end of the day, and I wasn't going to settle until I had the quality of life I knew I could have. So, yeah, I basically just devoted the last 10 years of my life to bring together people that have a similar vision and mission for what we're looking to do with the business, but then also that we share something, you know, so deeply rooted at the same time as well. You know, helping people and then also, you know, just the simple act of climbing rocks, which, you know, means so much and means so little all at the same time. I'm feeling strong self-preservation right now, and I'm walking down this kind of sketchy descent with a guy who was just at the top of the cliff contemplating jumping off. But this guy seemed like his family was gone, they didn't want anything to do with him, and I think that's sort of like the difference for people, right? Like, when you have a support system and a community of family and friends around you, I think you're pretty bulletproof against that stuff. But I think when you feel alone and that you don't have anybody else, you know, that seems like the only way out for some people. I think very recently we've started talking more about mental health, but I don't think we really know how to talk about depression because people carry it in so many different ways. But I do appreciate that term died by instead of committed because Chris was really struggling and sometimes I still feel really mad at him, but I just try to remember that like he was sick, just not in the way that we're so used to people being sick. I think that therapy, access to good therapists should be like at the forefront for everybody, if not even, dare I say, requirement. I wasn't into deep yet, and I was like, if I continue down this path, I'm going to get to a point where it might be irreversible, you know? I could get injured, like, I could get shot at. You know, we had been in, like, street brawls and witnessed people next to me get shot, you know, because someone from the other group had, like, pulled out a gun, you know? And so, this is bad. Like, I never envisioned this. So, I posted something the other day on International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia. And it was like a photo of me and Brie kissing, and it was the first kiss photo I've ever posted. And I was like, oh god, am I gonna do this? I don't even like looking at kissing photos. I just think it's weird. So I was like, whatever, fuck it. And so I posted it, and everyone was like, this is so awesome! And then I, like, just my followers, like, <laughs> tanked. And I was like, oh, crazy. Like, who did you think you were following? Yeah, I think I lost, like, at least a thousand followers. And then I've like gained them back in a completely different way. Like it's all probably like gay followers now, which welcome. I think you hit it spot on with like the double-edged sword. I never came out on Instagram, I don't think, but I don't think I ever needed to. But I mean, something that I did do. It would have been nice for me to know when I slid into your DMs. I thought you did know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. No, she just had all these posts that I was like, is she dating her? No, they're just really good friends, I think. Is she dating her? Is she... Hmm... No, I, I didn't know. I think I took a bit of a risk. <laughs> I think, especially now, there are so many. I don't know that it would have taken only one. I think it would have had to take, like, several. And I think that's what's so cool and prominent about role models now is even Brie and I still have more to look up to, you know? Like, it's like Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe. Or we're just like, well, we want to be like them. And there's like Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris and... You like soccer now? I just like soccer girls. <laughs> to me, 
Like there was always this wall up and there was always because from like a super young age, I always knew that there's something about me that's really different from everyone else. And this is something that you need to not let people know about, you know, first grade kindergarten, just like knowing I don't know what this is. And it's, it's, it's that I was gay. In my 20s, I used to joke that my intuition was broken because I had been so isolated through my teen years. It was literally like almost always just me and my mom, and so I had no other barometer to go off of, of what was normal. It was like this twisted idea of Christianity that I think was not real at all. And it was funny, at one point I called him and I was like, I just feel like I need to apologize because I feel like when I started climbing, like all the attention was on me and you got forgotten and like left in the dust. And he was like, that's so funny that you say that because I feel like I need to apologize because I feel like I escaped and you got fed to the wolves. <laughs> I started having a lot of health issues and there was still no one in my life who was willing to address that the health issues were coming from the eating disorder. Myself included, I was following suit and denying it to the press because at the time I was quite well known in the sport and you know, when when you look like that, there, there's rumors and so I was just as culpable with denying that I had an eating disorder but at the same time like wishing someone would notice that I wasn't okay. There was one moment of FOMO in my illness that's sort of poignant, I think. Um, Nick Barry and I were climbing on Leaning Tower and we had an amazing day of climbing. We both sent the 13D crux pitch on Leaning Tower. By the time I got back down to my car, it was sort of a slow descent, but I was sick. And as I was pulling past El Cap Meta, I remember seeing all my friends were there right then and just pulling out and being like, like, damn. I want to hang out with my friends right now. I want to be hanging out in the meadow with everybody. And here I am having to bail because I'm sick. This is awful. This is actually kind of making me emotional thinking about that back then. It was like that was the moment that I kind of left that world. That was it. Climbing was in the rear view mirror from there on out. Yeah, I, I think that since losing Brad, riding my bike feels different, especially if I'm in a beautiful place because it always makes me think of Brad. And I think he would be so proud of us too. I think that's the thing too. It's like motivating to want to do right by him now that he's gone. And I've actually had this thought several times that if he could see me now, he'd be so upset, you know? He just wouldn't want to see me like this. And uh, yeah, in fact, I'll, I'll share with you that I had, I've had like six dreams about him and um, the most recent one I had, we were at his sister's house and I walked out into the backyard and he came over and he gave me a hug and he said, Mom, I'm sorry I didn't hug you more. And I woke up from that dream and I thought, we're, we're, we're not going to swear on the podcast, right? Uh, I can swear. Okay. I was like, I was like, you know, if he were here, he would hug me more. If he could see what I've fucking been through this last year and a half, he would be hugging me more. Like, he would not want to have us suffer like this. I know that. So I try to remind myself, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense because certainly I know he never expected to die and leave us. And he would be shocked. He would be shocked at what it's done to us, our whole family, even the whole world. Like I have a little like selfish perspective because he died in November and then the pandemic came in March. I was like, oh my God, my son died and the world fucking stopped. 
It literally stopped. When COVID hit, like my whole life just burned up. Totally obliterated. Didn't have my home. I didn't have my friends anymore. Like I didn't have anything. My aunt was gone. Like I had my mom, but like she was 3,000 miles away. And I felt like I had no foundation left. But redwood trees thrive off of that. And it looks like they're dead, but they've got these like amazing, big, fuzzy exteriors. And in order for them to sprout seedlings, they need ash and they need fire. And so I always just felt like a really strong connection to home and to wildflowers this year because that's how I kind of feel. I'm like, I am like a tree. I am like these huge redwoods. And I needed that destruction to help me like just recreate a whole new life for myself. If you're ready for the gut punch, we're back on May 1st with a brand new season. Thanks to everyone who contributed their voices to this episode, and a huge thank you to Gnarly Nutrition, Deuter USA, LA Outdoor, and to Patagonia. This is not a climbing podcast. It's a funny, sad, and mostly uncomfortable podcast about the healing that takes place when we talk about our pain. These are 10 new stories from climbers about what hope means to them. This podcast is proudly presented by Patagonia. And it's been better and better every day, I think. situation all this pain i'm facing for every dream i'm chasing there's hope you are my hope oh that's the way it is no so good and you just like you gotta belt it you just sit in the car like scream singing yeah nights when the wind was so cold You're listening to For the Love of Climbing podcast. A huge thank you to Deuter, one of the leading backpack brands that will help you hit the trails with confidence and comfort. And a big thank you to Gnarly Nutrition for supporting this podcast and the messages that we share. Gnarly Nutrition supports a community of vulnerability and equality and tastes like a milkshake without all the crap. A big shout out to LA Outdoor for supporting the Access Fund and 1% for the Planet. And to Otsun, innovative gear engineered for climbing to improve your performance. And thanks to Patagonia, not bound by convention, Patagonia is in business to save our home planet. Support companies who support this podcast. We couldn't do it without them. If you liked what you heard, you can leave a review on iTunes or give us a like. Like all good things, you can find us on the internet. Therapy. It's hard. Therapy is hard. That squirrel almost fell out of a tree. Therapy is hard. That squirrel should go to therapy. But therapy is hard. Homelessness is something we should be considering. I don't want to be homeless. (laughs) I don't think we should consider that. Well, (laughs) homelessness. Mm, I get that. Just keep going. I've said it too many times now. It's sounding weird in my mouth. Homelessness. Say it more as a statement, not a question. Homelessness. Just, it's too hard now.
I've said it too many times. 45. 45. 45. 45. 45. Oof, 45. <laughs> like ex- better accessibility to better health care. Bad. <laughs> accessibility to better health care. We love you. <laughs> Not giggle. Accessibility to better health care. That's not a conversation. Accessibility to better health care. 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 Homelessness. Homelessness. The listness at the end. Homelessness. Stop it. <laughs> Get out of here. Kathy, uh, we love you very much. I'm sorry if this is kind of a shit show. Love you. We we can do it again. We might need more coaching. We're happy just as many times as we need to, but we're, turns out, pretty bad at this. Brands advocating for bigger bodies within these spaces. We love you, Kathy. Okay, so am I, like, indignant? Or you're you're recording this whole time that I'm just muttering away. Climate justice and intersectional and blah, 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 blah. and therapy. <laughs> Consumerism. What am I supporting every time I purchase a new puffy or a rope? What does this company stand for? What does this company stand for? Okay, now Russian. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's Chris. No, I don't. What? I don't know. That's you. Get out of here. <laughs> Get up there. You know, when the hands on the line, the hero wants the ball, and then you just punt it. Rush it, rush, rush. If you want direction, I'll be down. Me, 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 me. It's a new problem, but Govrit, but van life, it's ochin. No, don't use that. No. Therapy is cool, and therapy is hard. Therapy is cool, and therapy is hard. Therapy is cool and therapy is hard. Therapy is cool and therapy is hard. Okay, do it a different way. Therapy! (laughs) Not like that. Do it, just do it different, but with more emphasis on the and. Therapy is cool and therapy is hard. Do you have another voice? Therapy is cool. Therapy is hard. Man.